0: Matthew 21, verses 12 through 13. Then Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who were selling and buying in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. He said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers.
1: I come here every Monday morning. It's always been like this for as long as I can remember. My parents talk about when this room used to be packed with people here to pray and hear the Torah every week. They talk about that like it's the glory days, if only we could get back to that. Now, now the temple is primarily a marketplace. I come here every week for the farmer's market to buy eggs and Figs and food for my family, and they have the best bread. I never feel guilty because I pray on my own and we still celebrate Passover. So, is it really that big a deal? Well, I used to think not, but then that changed the day that Jesus showed up. I don't. I don't know if I will ever forget that day. I had just bartered with Samuel down the street um, to get some fresh fish for my kids. And that's when I heard the sound. It was so loud, a crash, a splintering. For a minute, I thought God might be tearing the walls off of the temple and climbing inside. I turned around, my hands filled with fish to see the money changers' tables turned over and the doves flapping crazy in their cages. There were coins slowly rolling their way across the holiest of holies, and everybody froze. I have never heard a silence so loud. And Jesus paused, And he looked at the room and he said, my house is to be called a house of prayer. Prayer for all nations. And so I hid my two fish behind my back, (laughs) like Adam and Eve. Hid behind leaves, and I wished that the coins in my hand would just disappear. And then, as quickly as he arrived, he left. I can't be sure, but it looked like there might have been like a tear running down his cheek. And just for a second, I wondered to myself like, maybe. Just maybe. That sound really was God tearing open the walls of the temple and climbing inside. Who is he, you ask? (laughs) I'm not sure, but he's not like me. He's faithful. He's honest. There was nothing hiding behind his back. Have any of you ever felt that kind of shame have any of you ever wanted to hide something from God confess with me God for all the things we try to hide from you forgive us Amen
2: Jeez.
3: Matthew 21, verse 23. When he entered the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came to him as he was teaching and said, By what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority?
4: Do you know how many laws are in Torah? 613. You know how I know that? I spent my entire youth memorizing it. Hours upon hours and hours of repetition. And after I mastered those, I went on to memorize the Torah. That's the first five books of the Bible. Memorize. I spent those hours sitting in front of my teacher, learning to teach because that's what faithfulness, sacrifice, and a life of service looks like, or at least that's what I was taught. I've talked to every scribe and every priest in the land, and no one knows who taught Jesus. No one raised him to cheat. No one even knows if he passed the Torah comprehension exam. Where does he get his authority from? And that what drives me crazy. People are listening to him. It blows me away. His teachings are unorthodox. Does he even know the amount of rules that he's breaking? He talked to Samaritans. He, he healed on the Sabbath. He completely disregards our social lines befriending women and lepers. I just don't understand. This isn't the way it's supposed to be. I studied for so long and nothing has prepared me for this. Who is he, you ask? He's a rebel heretic he's a radical he's a mystery
0: 26, verses 6 through 13. Now, while Jesus was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar of very costly ointment, and she poured it out on his head as he sat at the table. But when the disciples saw it, they were angry. And they said, why this waste? For this ointment could have been sold for a large sum and the money given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, said to them, why do you trouble this woman? She has performed a good service for me. For you always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. By pouring this ointment on my body, she has prepared me for burial. Truly I tell you, wherever this good news is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in remembrance of her.
5: It was Wednesday. I heard he was coming to Bethany, People talk about stuff like that. People also talk when you break open a bottle of perfume to anoint someone in a crowd. I learned that the hard way. In a few years, they may forget my name, but I bet they'll remember what I did. I am the woman who anointed Jesus, and it remains one of the moments in my life that I am most proud of. Jesus was at Simon's house. He often went there when he was in the city, and I knew that. We all knew that because we could see them packed in there. It's hard to miss 12 people packed into a room. So before the sun fell, I grabbed my jar of perfume. The only item of wealth I own and walked to Simon's I had begged and saved for years to afford that jar of perfume it was my backup plan my safety net when I could no longer work so I kept it hidden in the cupboard of my house The whole way to Simon's house, I clutched that jar like a mother holds a baby, terrified that it might slip from my hands too soon, that I might lose the only gift I had to give, accidentally anointing the dirt at my feet instead of the man who had healed so many. It wasn't until I walked through the door and saw Jesus sitting there that I was able to release my grip on that jar. (sighs) I had made it. I had my gift. This was the moment. The smell was unbelievable. Sweet like milk and honey, but even stronger than fresh-baked bread. I knew when I cracked that jar open, it would be overpowering. It would send people into the street, but I had to do it. People criticized me for wasting that perfume, but they don't know the whole story. They don't know what it meant to be seen and called, By name, Jesus pulled me out of the wilderness of my isolation. They have no idea the healing that Jesus offered me. And they probably could never understand what I would give to do it all over again. I mean, How do you put a price tag on life, on a full and abundant life? I don't need everyone to understand. I just needed him to understand. He gave me the gift of new life. So in return, I gave him the only thing I had. Who is this man, you ask? He was grace embodied and love let loose. And I'll never be the same.
0: Friends, we have been given the gift of new life. And in return, we freely give what we have, a portion of our gifts and the whole of ourselves. And you all have been giving. You have been sewing face masks. You have been packing and distributing food from the food bank. You have been making calls. You have been praying without ceasing. During our sung meditation... I invite you to consider how you are being called to respond to God's amazing grace this week. How that love let loose releases your hands and your hearts to join God's work in this world. Embracing abundance in a season of scarcity Across the presbytery, our ministry continues in this season of pandemic. Literally feeding, nurturing, forming people, pointing to Jesus, offering hope. We can't pass the offering plate down the pews at this time. But we can and we do receive your monetary offerings online, including on Realm and through the good old fashioned mail. Freely we have received, freely let us give.
3: Matthew 26, verses 14 through 16. Then one of the twelve who was called Judas Iscariot went to the chief priests and said, What will you give me if I betray him to you? They paid him thirty pieces of silver. And from that moment, he began to look for an opportunity to betray him.
6: Could he really have been the Messiah? The Son of God? Could he really be the one that God sent to redeem the world? Really? There were days when I was convinced that he was, like like the day he fed 5,000 people. I still can't figure out how he did it. But I was there, and people, they ate their fill. Or the night that he told Peter to walk with them on the water. I couldn't begin to tell you how that happened, but I was there. And it felt real. There were other days, though, when I wasn't so sure. Like, when he sent us out two by two to heal people... Did he really expect that we would be able to do what he did? Or all those days when he rebuked the Pharisees, could the Son of God really be that hard on people, especially the leaders of the law? I wanted to believe he was the Messiah. I really did. I wanted to give everything I had. Something so deep within me, though, was just not settled. I was beginning to lose sleep over it, and then the Pharisees started whispering in my ear, what if he wasn't all that he said he was? What if everything I saw could just be explained? What if I had risked my life only to find out he was just another great teacher among many? And it was that unsettled voice in my head, deep within me, that told me to do it. That small voice was just more powerful than my will, my thoughts, and my faith. It ruled me. And I followed it. Most people said I did it just for the money. But that would just be all too simple. I handed him over because I couldn't know who he was for certain. There's no black and white, no hundred percent when it comes to God. Doubt is an untamed wilderness of the mind, and that shade of gray ate at me. Who was that man you ask? If you had asked me last week, I would have told you I'm not entirely sure. Ask me again on Sunday, and my answer will have changed.
0: 26, verses 36 through 47. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be grieved and agitated. Then he said to them, I am deeply grieved, even to the point of death. Remain here and stay awake with me. And going a little farther, he threw himself on the ground, and he prayed, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet not what I want, but what you want. Then he came to the disciples, and he found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, So could you not stay awake with me for one hour? Stay awake and pray that you may not come into the time of trial. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, he went away for the second time, and prayed my father if this cannot pass unless I drink it your will be done and he came and he found them sleeping for their eyes were heavy so leaving them again he went away and prayed for the third time saying the same words then he came to the disciples and said to them Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? See, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hand of sinners. Get up, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. While he was speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, arrived. With him was a large crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests and the elders of the people.
7: It all happened so fast. It was late, later than I had realized, and sleep was clinging to me like a fog I could not shake. I heard the crowd arrive in my dreams. At first, I thought it was a crowd of people wanting Jesus to heal them. I thought selfishly, for just a moment, to myself, how in the world did they find us here? That's when I started to wake up. I realized that the crowd didn't sound right. It wasn't people praising Jesus or begging to be healed. begging for mercy even. It was too quiet, far too quiet for that, and in the quiet I could hear the clink of swords in sheaths. I frantically pulled myself from sleep, shaking awake my brothers and trying to stand up quickly. I saw Judas at the front of the crowd. What is he doing here? I thought, maybe things will be okay after all, but I was wrong. In a split second, my whole world fell apart around me. I went from knowing my way, knowing my purpose, knowing my plan, to standing in the wilderness alone. It happened as quickly as a summer thunderstorm and as slowly as the change in seasons the crowd with clubs and swords were taking Jesus, they were taking him away and he was not fighting it. Maybe if I had stayed awake, like he asked, then this would not have happened. Or maybe if we had left Jerusalem and gone back to Bethany, this would not have happened. What am I supposed to tell my family? The man I have seen heal the sick and walk on water has been arrested? And the angels did not try to stop it? Who is this man, you ask? He's not a criminal, that's for sure. It all happened so fast.